balancing IT functionality with security and questioning the reliability of biometrics as an authenticator. These stories and more coming up in the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. We begin today's security report by examining a constant information security challenge, balancing functionality with security. That's becoming increasingly important with connected medical devices. To discuss this balancing act, I'm joined by Healthcare Info Security Executive Editor, Marianne Kolbasak-McGee. Hi, Marianne. Hi, Eric. How difficult is this balancing act among connected medical device manufacturers? That's not an easy question to answer. In fact, some device makers may not be taking security as seriously as they should. The security research firm Whitescope has released preliminary findings of a study that examined the security of implantable cardiac devices and related systems from four manufacturers. The research turned up over 8,000 known vulnerabilities in pacemaker systems and related third-party software libraries. The problem areas included lack of encryption and authentication and bugs in code. The study's findings also reemphasized the industry-wide challenges in keeping systems updated and patched. Whitescope did not identify the four vendors it studied, but its researchers informed the manufacturers, as well as federal regulators, including the Department of Homeland Security, about their findings of security problems. Here's Whitescope's senior security researcher, Billy Rios. What we didn't want to do is shame a particular vendor for a way that they did something. That's not to say that we didn't come across specific vulnerabilities and specific vendor implementations. And those issues uh, were handled separately. Those actually have gone to DHS, ICS, CERT, and they're working their way through the coordinated disclosure process, right? So the manufacturer's aware of some of the things that we found. How did WhiteScope conduct this study? The researchers bought products on third-party marketplaces such as auction websites. Those products included programmers. Physicians use programmers in the programming of connected cardiac devices. The report points out that the four major vendors studied employ a similar architecture framework, including communication protocols, device intercommunications, embedded device hardware, and device authentication. Whitescope's analysis revealed potential security risks stemming from the underlying protocols and system-to-system communications involving embedded devices. How can these uh, risks be mitigated? Whitescope recommends that vendors evaluate their respective implementations and validate that effective security controls are in place to protect against identified deficiencies that may lead to potential system compromise, but they will require trade-offs. We came across some obvious trade-offs for patient care and cybersecurity. Whether or not those are considered actual like real cybersecurity issues or not, I think that's, that's still up for debate. At the end of the day, a lot of these decisions are going to involve trade-offs as far as what benefits do they provide to the patient, patient care, and then what risks do they kind of bring up from a cybersecurity standpoint. Rio says that there are some definite places where patient care apparently influenced the design of some systems. Such as? None of the vendors of device programmers require authentication for programming implantable cardiac devices, and as a result, easy access to a programmer provides the potential for a user to program any supported implantable cardiac device, and that poses security risks. Rios points out that a lot of the problems he and his colleague discovered cannot be easily fixed. 
there's not going to be clear-cut solutions for a lot of these problems. It's going to be understanding what the potential benefits are, what the potential risks are, and finding a good compromise between the two, and then making sure that everyone understands why we're going forward in a particular direction. Rio says moving forward, all stakeholders, vendors, industry groups, regulators, physicians need to get together to identify the proper balance between usability and security. Thanks, Marianne. Thanks, Eric. When we return from this brief break, you'll hear a report from ISMG's Jeremy Kirk on vulnerabilities in biometrics as an authenticator. This is the ISMG Security Report. Deception technology. When it works, it works. But what about when it goes wrong? ISMG's Fraud and Breach Prevention Summit on June 20th and 21st in Chicago will address this and other hot cybersecurity challenges we face today. Visit events.ismg.io and register today. Biometrics is gaining popularity as a form of authentication. Still, as ISMG Security and Technology Editor Jeremy Kirk reports, biometrics has many obstacles to clear before it can be deemed a wholly dependable form of authentication. A BBC reporter recently opened an HSBC bank account and signed up for its voice recognition ID service. His fraternal twin brother called the bank. He skirted past the security test, which involved saying, my voice is my password. The BBC aired the finding recently on its Click Technology program and said it's believed to be the first time voice biometric security controls have been breached and marked another dark cloud around biometrics, which are increasingly used at immigration crossings and by banks. Researchers continue to chip away at notions that biometrics is the silver bullet for solving authentication problems. It's become familiar to the masses through fingerprint readers and the latest smartphones. Andrew Jameson is an expert in embedded systems at Underwriters Laboratories. He recently gave a presentation at the AusCert Security Conference in Australia. Despite the repeated glum findings around biometrics, Jameson isn't negative. He says he's actually a proponent, albeit with some caveats. We do need to understand how we're going to use them and what the problems are, and we need to mitigate against those problems, same as we do with any other system. Biometrics is tricky because it's essentially taking analog attributes such as a fingerprint or an iris pattern and translating that into digits at varying degrees of resolution. A person's physical attributes are converted into bytes, which are stored in a template. During verification, there are a lot of hurdles in the analog to digital translation. The way you look from day to day or how a finger is presented can all be slightly different than the way it was originally presented. That comparison must have room for error. Andrew Jameson. So biometrics are not a one-to-one match. They're essentially a one-to-many match. Because we've got to have those error bars in there, because we're taking from the analog world, moving into the digital world, we don't get a unique, perfect number each time. We need to add error to it. Interestingly, does this mean that we can take somebody, some features from multiple people and essentially create skeleton keys, essentially create features that we could use to unlock every different device, every different function that is protected by biometrics? Well, you can. Facial recognition systems have been fooled into thinking two people who look vastly different are the same one simply by wearing glasses. That recent research threw doubt on using machine learning algorithms for biometric ID, particularly in public safety applications. Smartphones, for example, keep a template of partial fingerprints, which is why even when pressed from odd angles, the devices only require one scan. 
A team of researchers recently discovered they could create master fingerprints that could fool a smartphone scanner up to 65% of the time. Still, using biometrics with other contextual information, such as what you're trying to do or where you are, greatly enhances its power. With a collection of relevant information, but not biometrics alone, a better judgment can be made about risk. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Finally, LEDs, those blinking lights known as light-emitting diodes found on most common routers, can be exploited to covertly siphon sensitive files, passwords, and other critical data. That's according to a paper published this week by researchers at Ben-Gurion University in Israel. The researchers say they developed malware that infects firmware in routers that could allow hackers to gain full control of the LEDs. Mordecai Guri is head of research at Ben-Gurion Cybersecurity Research Center and says sensitive data could be encoded and sent via the LED light pulses. He says attackers with access to a remote or local camera or with a light sensor hidden in the room could record the LED's activity and decode the signals. Unlike network traffic that is heavily monitored and controlled by firewalls, Guri says this covert channel is not tracked. It could allow attackers to leak data while evading firewalls, as well as other data leak prevention methods. More alarmingly, computers not even hooked up to the internet could leak sensitive data by observing and decoding the LED pulses. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chabro. Catch you next time.